everybody wants to be successful, and yet we all have different ideas of what that is. Finding success is the journey we embark upon to go and get what's ours. We are willing to travel down within to find our greatness buried deep inside of us. Questioning society's views and flipping the script, putting our own stamp on life. We're here because our future is within our control. Finding success is how we grab hold of what is possible. The relentless pursuit of success starts here. We're Finding Success and we're here to help break that monotony of your life and help you find your version of success. Welcome guys to another episode of the Finding Success podcast. Um, this week's a little different. We're going to talk about an individual uh, this week as opposed to something that will help you, you know, find success, help you gain knowledge, etc. We're going to talk about an individual, um, someone we both look up to quite highly, um, someone that the world uh, does quite highly. <clears throat> In his field, he is, well, he's the best, you know, there's no doubt about it in my mind. He is the best at doing what he does. Um, and that person is the Oracle of Omaha, as you saw in the title. It is Warren Buffett, um, the world's best investor, without a doubt in my mind. Um, I'm just going to talk to you about his life story, about his successes, his failures, and you know how we got there, basically. Um, Mr. Dodds, why don't you start us off? <laughs> well, first of all, hello, everyone. I hope you're doing well. Back. Here again, survived, I survived another week. Um, <laughs> the Oracle Omaha. It already sounds pretty groovy, doesn't it? It's just like almost like a dance tune. <laughs> um, oh, I went. For, <laughs> no, it's not that. Intense. Not that scary. Um, Warren Edward Buffett, born August thirtieth, nineteen thirty. Now that just blows my mind saying that. Nineteen thirty. Yeah, yeah that's mad. pretty scary, isn't it? That is. <laughs> um, born in. Omaha, Nebraska, which is why um, his nickname, Oracle of Omar. Uh, his dad was a, a chap named Howard Buffett, and uh, Howard started his own investment firm, um, which is probably where Warren picked it up from seeing his dad go out the door every day, um, probably in the suit, some fresh kicks, polished, happy going to work. Um, early on as a child, Warren wanted to turn his money into more money. Um, obviously, he got an allowance from his dad. And at the age of seven, he went door to door selling Coke and chewing gum to start off with um, just to see if he can gain some extra pounds, which just blows my mind. And it's, it's quite funny. You, you look back in the school and you can see like there's always a kid that was chilling, selling yeah. fizzy drinks or chewing gum. And it was always, it's always fizzy drinks and chewing gum. Yeah, yeah. Not saying that they're going to be the next Warren Buffett because there's no chance of that. But even so, um, pretty weird. It's it's a trait that some people have in them, a little wheelie dealer trait, in it. Yeah, that you just have in you. But I think it's quite a good, uh, it's very good people skill mm. because it's it's one way of as a kid. Oh, I know I was. I was very shy, very timid, um, and I didn't really want to go out and speak to new people. And here's a seven year old kid knocking on people's houses, trying to sell them Coke and chewing gum. Imagine that in, in America, going in, you want to buy some choke and some, some chewing gum? Do you know what I mean? It, it's, as a seven-year-old kid, it's just a bit scary. <laughs> Imagine doing that nowadays. It's just, it's unbelievable. But I mean, there's no kid nowadays that would go door-to-door, knocking on the door saying, do you want no. some Coke and chewing gum? Because they'd be playing Xbox or yeah. with their, they'd be doing something. They wouldn't be going out outside. It's really, really strange now how times have shifted. And it's fine, this evolution of the world. 
Good point. But it's, you know, people are doing it now on Twitch. Seven-year-old kids are now earning money on Twitch rather than knocking door to door. So, good point. You know, it's evolved. Uh, Maybe they're earning more money than what Warren Buffett was back at the age of seven. You don't know, do you? Um, Which reminds me, I'm going off topic already. I saw a kid the other day. um, I was flicking through Facebook and one of these kids was streaming with his dad and his, his dad, his kid was so young, but they had something like 21,000 watchers or viewers or something. And obviously people pay, people were paying to, um, what do you call it? Subscribe. subscribe yeah. yeah. People were paying to subscribe. And, uh, this kid was just earning like a few grand and it's just unbelievable. Obviously his dad would take the cut, probably yeah. majority of the cut. Um, hopefully there's a split 50, 50. Listening to some, I hope you get fifty percent of it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but do you know, it's just unbelievable. Like nowadays, kids can earn that money. And, you know, he, I would say, it wasn't a day over six, seven, a day over six or seven, easy. Or go seven. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, going back to Warren Buffett. Sorry, bought his first stock at the age of eleven, uh, which is highly illegal nowadays. You have to be eighteen. Um, but we'll <laughs> let you off, Warren, because you're just a legend. Um, <laughs> is it illegal? I suppose you can't own a stock. Eighteen, isn't it? I don't know. You can't sign up to a trading platform uh, unless you're the age of 18. Brokerage won't be able to say. Yeah. No. Um, he went to the University of... Columbia? Yeah, correct. Um, where did he apply to? He did try to get into Harvard Business School, didn't he? Yeah, he Beforehand. did. Um, and I'm not quite sure what it was to study. I'm not sure if it was to study... Business or economics. Business or economics or something. Oh, okay. But his degree in Columbia was... I've got it written down. Is social? It was a he got had a master's in science and economics in nine, must be social economics in nineteen fifty one. Science and economics. My handwriting is terrible. But in his dad's office, as as a kid, he read every single book in the office that he could find, and I think that is where he bumped into Ben Graham's name. Instagram, yeah. And ever since that day, I think almost Ben Graham was an idol to him, as Warren is an idol to him. 99.9% of all investors in the world. And uh, he then found that once he got turned down from Harvard, that I've got an opportunity here. I've been given the golden egg to go and actually send Ben Graham a letter and say, can I study underneath you with David Dodd? Columbia, yeah. yeah. Obviously, they got accepted. David Dodd put, give him the thumbs up. And uh, he got his degree in what, what year was that, sorry? 1951. 1951. <clears throat> 21 years old. Crazy, crazy. Um, he did move to New York for a little bit after that. Did he? He, he left Omaha. So he left Omaha to move to New York? Yeah, um, to work with Graham closely. And it was only for a few years because then Graham sold up and... Under, and what, for Graham's firm? Yeah, yeah, he was, he was in, uh, under his wing, basically. Right. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> uh, underneath, um, underneath, no, outside of... The investment side of things, he actually took a Dale Carnegie um, speech and human, I don't know what you call it, human interaction course, wasn't it? Um, and if you haven't read the book that Dale Carnegie's written, he's written many books, but one is How to Win Friends and Influence People. I was going to ask you the other day if you read Good Have book. you read it? Really good book. There's very, there's very many things in there that are so simple and you... As a person that has read a few books and especially a few books on influencing people and um, saying the right things, it all makes sense. And when you read the book and it all makes sense on how you word things and how you, how you come across to people and how they act around you and how you can perceive their actions and 
and they perceive your actions. Very good book. Read it. Just go and read it. It's no, not. It's not it. long. It's, on the list. It's, it's like two hundred and eighty pages or something. It's a very very short book. It's a really nice book to read. Very easy. Um, go and read it. Um, so I guess that's where he learned his skill of speaking, of listening, of getting people to like him. You know, because everyone likes him. There's, no, I don't. There's one person that absolutely hates Warren Buffett. I don't, no, no. It's impossible to <laughs> hate a ninety-two-year-old man or however old he is. Do you know what I mean? You just don't do it. Mm. He's just a great guy. Um, which is why, in April, I think it's April, isn't it? He has his annual meeting, um, and a normal annual meeting would be boring. They just talk about numbers and. No one really wants to go. But when Warren Buffett hosts an annual meeting, it's streamed on Yahoo Finance. And nine times out of ten, I'll have over a million people watching it at one point. Just to listen to him speak. Yeah. Uh, but what, whatever it is, he always gives pieces of information that will help younger investors or new investors or old investors that have been doing it for years. There's always nuggets of information to learn off Warren, no matter when it is. So whenever he's speaking, listen to him. Mm. Um, and then at the age of, I'm not sure what, he started his first investment company uh, known as Buffett Partnership Limited. Um, and he was a millionaire by 32. Not bad. Which is mental. Now, when you think of a millionaire back in 1950-something, <clears throat> Jesus. This is when it's powerful. So I'm going to go back a little bit from where you were. He bought those first stocks that he bought 11 years old. Yeah. They were $38 each. Right, so in today's money, that's a few hundred like pounds. That's not that's not nothing. Yeah. That's expensive. At the age of eleven. At eleven, yeah. right? He's bought. It was a number of shares as well. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't just a singular. It was a number at thirty-eight dollars. So, and I, I, there was a conversion. It was something offensive. The total he spent, um, and he then sold them when they went up just two dollars to forty dollars. He was like, yes, I'm his hands together. He's just made serious <laughs> coin because like two dollars back then was huge. It was it was thirty forty dollars, and it was it was a lot. Yeah, and he sold it for forty dollars. Anyway, he learned very quickly at that point um, that he needed to have patience because it soon went up to two hundred dollars a share. That the shares he invested in. Um, so that was one of his first biggest mistakes: selling too early, and that helped develop obviously, obviously develop him into who he is today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry, I just thought I'd get that out of there. Like, no, that's mega. I never the money, that. the money they're playing with back then doesn't sound like a lot to us, you know, a couple hundred, three hundred thirty-eight dollars. But in today's money, that million is hundreds of millions now. Yeah. You know, what I mean, it's big. It's scary, isn't it? Yeah. That's not. I never knew that. And yeah, obviously, being a millionaire by thirty-two, as you said, the conversion rate today's well, what money is that now. I I reckon we could Google it and find out, but it'd be hundreds of millions. I yeah. think. Yeah, it's just unreal. Yeah. Um. And then, so Warren's was, Warren Buffett's investing knowledge back then was he was looking for companies that were very, very cheap, whether they were failing, not failing. He was just looking for cheap companies, buying them, hoping that the share price would go up. And unfortunately, young Buffett invested in a company that was failing, a failing textiles business um, known as Berkshire Hathaway, which is obviously, uh, as the majority of you already know, is uh, company that he works for today or owns today um do you know why he took that company over do you know I why don't. he sort of bought into it as as you said he's just looking for cheap companies that are uh, he doesn't really care of how the company is being run just yeah he was business. just looking for and hopefully the price will go up um and he he bought the company uh, as he did a few companies at the time however he had an argument with uh, a few of the managers uh, when it come to sell 
Now, as you said, there's a few reasons for that. As managers that were, he wasn't maybe happy with the way that the managers run the business. He wasn't happy that with the returns that he was getting on his investment. It was going down. He wasn't happy. He wanted to get out. Um, and not, so what he'd done is he came to the investors and he said, look, uh, I want to sell. I'm at 11.50. And the investors, uh, the managers were like, well, we can't do that, but we can offer you 11.35 or 11.37. And he was like, no, I'm not selling that. So in spite, he bought the old company. It was like, have some of that. Kicked all the managers out, didn't they? Started fresh. Um, and it went from a textile company to an insurance brokerage company, didn't it? From right, saying. So it did actually fail as a textile company, didn't it? Because when he bought it, he still wanted it to be. Oh, did he? I never he knew did. that. Okay. I believe that's my understanding. He wanted it to still be a textile company and develop and grow as that, but it just never took off the ground. So that's when he converted it to that insurance like position. Just um, <laughs> distract you a little bit. No, no, no that's, you're, you're fine. Don't you worry. Button ends my. Um, yeah. So as you said, he then went on to a uh, changed it from a textiles company that, that, as you said, failed um, into the insurance brokerage company that it is or was. Um, and at the time, he was when he'd done that, he was still looking to buy companies at a, a cheap price. But I think he kind of learned his lesson with Birch Way because he realized that he didn't need to buy companies at a, a cheap price anymore. He wanted to buy a, a, a good company at a fair price. Um, when? when Charlie Munger came in and uh, influenced him quite heavy, I think that is when his shift became part of you want to buy great companies at a fair price, not good companies at a cheap price. When did Charlie Munger come into it? Do you know? No. No. That's a question that um, Sorry. spans my knowledge. Um, yeah, no, I, I, never, I never found out about that. Um, I presume that Charlie was maybe working with Warren at the time, okay. whether that be at Berkshire Hathaway or just in a separate Buffett partnership limited. Um, but Charlie obviously heavily influenced Buffett's future. Yeah. Definitely. Still the way today. he does today, exactly. And, you know, just seeing Charlie and Buffett is like two brothers working together. It's just brilliant. They're old as, bless them. They're, you know, they're, they're 90s, <laughs> but they're, they're just, they've still got... Their shareholders meeting is, is funny. Yeah. It? But it's when you, get, when you get some odd question about cryptocurrency and they go, <laughs> Charlie's like, nothing more, nothing more to add. He's just <laughs> shutting gazes down left, right and centre. Oh, it makes me smile. It does make me smile. Um, and from there, obviously, Berkshire Hathaway went to strength and strength. So, um, 1958, I think he bought the house he still lives in today. Correct. Uh, and every single day, do you know what his salary is, by the way? Oh, no, not a clue. Year on year salary, have a guess. So, bear in mind, this guy, Warren Buffett, was the world's richest man in 2008. Does that surprise you? No. Financial mm-hmm. crash. What does he do? Financial, he's a smart boy. Yeah, yeah. He was the world's richest man in 2008. I didn't know that. Mental. But what is the what are the what do you reckon he takes home? Is it something now? silly like nothing? Nothing. Is it less than a hundred thousand dollars a year? It's a hundred thousand dollars. It's a hundred thousand a year. Hundred thousand dollars. The geezer takes home a hundred thousand dollars a year. The majority of that pays are probably his Mackey's breakfast in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Because every single day he goes to Mackey's and if it's a good day, he buys a bacon and egg sandwich with sausage. If it's a medium day, he'll probably go bacon and egg. And if it's a bad day, it's just sausage. <laughs> and that's genuine. That's not even a lie. I've heard that. Because it goes at like $3.16 or something. The next one up's like 
a bit more frugal at three twenty eight, and then the next one's up at four four dollars. Oh, so like, the bad days are the cheap ones, just sausage. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's a bad financial day. Yeah. The day before he's had a tough yeah, big if loss. It's a bad financial day in the markets. Oh. He has a he has a cheap sausage sandwich from Mackey's. If it's been a good one, he'll have egg bacon, the whole shebang. Brilliant. It's mental, isn't it? That's mental. Cool. Every single day, day in day out. He drives his, I think it's like 2010 Cadillac VTS um, that he's owned probably since that day. And he's only recently got rid of his Nokia flip phone and moved into the got? days. I'm not sure what he's uh, got. I bet he can't shout out But you know what out. it's going to be, don't you? Because he earns 50% of the stock. Oh, is it? A... It's got to be, isn't it? It's I was going to ask him. It's got to be. You don't know. You don't know. It's got to be. Gone... Who knows? Um... And so, yeah, by far, in my point of view, um, he is one of the most influential investors and philanthropists. philanthropists. It's a hard word to say, that, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not going to say. He, the charity givers <laughs> of all time. Um, obviously, he was very, very heavily um, involved in the Bill and Belinda. Gates um, Foundation. Yeah. Uh, and do you know what he does in his spare time when he's traveling with Bill? No, I only found this out the other day. Again, he likes to play bridge with Bill Gates, mm-hmm. which is a card game. Okay. So in his spare time, he doesn't really talk about, he talks about the, oh, yeah, as a, as, as a dog burn or whatever. He talks about that sort of stuff, but he likes to play bridge. Mm. Imagine that. Just imagine Bill Gates and Warren Buffett on a plane. Probably, yeah, playing bridge. Playing bridge. I bridge you six. It I don't blows have to my mind. I don't know if they bridge. So the reason, the reason that house, it's, uh, that little bit of information is so like huge. Is I don't know. I don't, did we mention how what he's worth nowadays? No, we haven't. As of, I don't want to. I don't want to scare people too. But yeah, go on. This is scary thing. As of the time of recording, according to Forbes list, he is worth a whopping one hundred and seven. Sorry, one hundred and seventeen point nine billion dollars. Okay, that's f- phenomenal. He is like the fifth wealthiest man in the world. Yeah, and the only people that are above him are Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk. The French family that are in charge of Louis Vuitton and, you know, what's their family? The Bernards, I think they are. Oh, yeah. You know them? That's a boy from uh, Will Smith thing. What's it called? Bernard. Bernard. No, I forget them. There's, a f- there's only a few people. I'll do it anyway. No, we've got no Wi Fi at the minute. We're down. Um, there's only a few people ahead of him. And the only reason they are is because of, like, Amazon's gone through the roof. Stop it. Um, Amazon on roof, Tesla's gone through the roof. That's why the other yeah, the other right. two big are so huge. Whereas <laughs> Warren Buffett is just been an investor his whole life. Yeah. Like, he's done nothing other than investing. One hundred percent, he's the most wealthiest investor of, of all time. And I think he will, he, I think he will be the only person that is reached his wealth investing. Yeah, yeah. In this, in this current weight of, of money, without a doubt. And that's why it's so impressive that he still had the same house that he bought way back in the fifty nine, sixty, fifty eight, fifty eight. Yeah. He's still living in that same humble house that he paid. I did it. It was something like thirty-one thousand pounds for it. Yeah, it was not. The, the dollars, sorry, it's yeah. absolutely nothing. He's still living in it, worth however much he is. Paying himself a hundred thousand dollars a year. It blows my mind how like. Do you know what the funny thing is, right? So you've got obviously um, Elon Musk a few years ago sold a lot of his houses and mm. downsized, um, but you've probably got the house he currently lives in that has got security to the gills with everything. He's got whatever you, he's got all all the bells and whistles. He's, mm. he's got the guard. He's got the dogs. He's got the the cameras. He's got everything. Do you know what Warren, Warren Buffett's security is? And I saw a picture of his, his house the other day. Do you know what security is? Dog? <laughs> is, it, is it the ring, uh, the, the Amazon ring doorbell thing? No. Oh, that's funny. Do you know what it is? Obviously, because he hasn't, he hasn't done any home improvements at all since 
since a while. Not refilled his kitchen. Well, I hope since I hope, yeah, I hope he has, but poor, you know. Um, it's a chain. The chain goes across his driveway. That's that's the only security he's got. There is no gate. There is no fence that surrounds his house. There's no guard. There's no dogs. It's a chain. But you know why that is? Because there is it's only sentimental value stuff that he has in his house. There is no blinging Rolexes. Yeah. There's no Lamborghinis. Yep. There's no plasma screen things the same size as the building. He lives a very like you said, he likes likes playing bridge. Probably the most valuable thing to him is a pack of cars next to his bed. Yeah. I mean, he's a very humble man. Doesn't need a lot to live. Has a breakfast with Mackey's every morning, drinks Coca-Cola is his most exotic drink. Yeah. He lives, it's not a lifestyle for everybody. It's not. No, you're right. People enjoy having things. People enjoy stuffing things. People enjoy materialistic things. I and spoke he, about a few weeks ago. Exactly. And he is the oddball. Manages to escape that. How amazing is it that that man is worth £117 billion that drives a Cadillac that's had his that since you know it's, it's 12 years old house 58 made in 58 he's so humble I, I bet the most expensive thing in his house is probably the suit that he wears on his back I don't know probably. it's, it's been, been worn by Warren Buffett yeah. you, can, you could auction that off for at least four million yeah yeah you let's, could. Do, let's, do, let's do a hit guys no I'm only joking <laughs> so going back to philanthropy yeah. I said that all you right, said that I better think. than me to I think there. so that's far I always panic when I see the word anyway he's the wealthiest philanthropist in yeah. the world because obviously he's the fifth most yeah. he gives the most as well I, I understand he gives the most you know I can't remember what year it was now um, but as you said he works closely with the Bill Gates um, Melinda Dinger Foundation he, he gifted them 185 million shares of Berkshire Hathaway stock back in <laughs> 1990 whatever it's yeah. it started right, and at the time that was worth 28.3 billion Right, and that was just that was that was it was a huge portion of his wealth because back then I think he was only worth eighty billion. He wasn't worth the hundreds that he is now. Um, not even eighty billion. It was ninety. It was, it was it was huge. It was, it was a quarter of his wealth, I believe. Off when you say it's only <laughs> only eight billion. Compared <laughs> to what he's worth now. No, you're True. right. You're right. He's worth the mass is eighty billion, but he was giving away almost thirty billion. Yeah, just gave it to this foundation, and I dread to think what that'd be worth now in stocks. I'm sure they haven't got the whole the the full. 185 million shares but because they sold to off it's a non-profit isn't it yeah um, and they I believe they fight poverty disease and where was it and inequity equity yeah. around the world so it's, it's, a, it's a it seems like a good cause I don't know a lot about it so I'm not going to I know that they do a lot of um, stuff in Africa trying to build um, their lives for people so uh, they were trying to design a few years back a waterless toilet because obviously the water supply is very low. So they gave out, what's that thing? What's that um, X Prize? Is it called the X Prize or something? Basically, every single year, there's um, a, a group of people. Tony um, Robin. Robbins is involved with it. And basically, they give a, a list of things that they want to change the world for. Uh, you know, something that's very special that's it's years and years away from being produced in our daily lives, um, i.e., the waterless toilet. And they. Uh, they give it to a guy who got one the X Prize on how to design this water toilet, and I think they're starting to implement it over there now. Nice, it's crazy. So yeah, they do they do they're stuff just to stuff. make people's lives better that necessarily don't have a better life or don't have a good life, don't have a water supply, you know, things that they struggle with day to day. It's just an amazing good cause. Thing. Yeah, great cause. And he's constantly donating his wealth to this man. I think I believe, if this was true, he's promised uh, to donate ninety nine percent of his wealth to charities, yeah. so on and so forth, which is. 
outrageous yeah, for non way now. Um, so I want to go back to the investing a little bit more. So just to get your head around as well. I know a lot of people. So humans aren't designed; their heads aren't designed to understand millions, billions, and trillions. Yeah. So I've got a little fun little game, a little questionnaire I've got for you. Oh. About the millions and trillions, all right? So turn these millions of dollars into seconds, right? Do you know how long a million seconds? One year. No, it's a million seconds. Come on, Doc. It's 11.5 days. Yeah? Yeah, that's all it is. Okay. It's only a million all seconds. Right. Come on, count them. All right. No. It's 11.5 days. It's for 11 days. days. <laughs> and it's 11, it's 11 days, 14 hours, and 40 minutes. It's okay. 11 and a half days. Yeah. Do you know what a billion seconds is? And we're going off the American billion, so it's like a thousand million. Okay. So do you know what? One billion seconds. A million is only... Years. Not quite. It's 32 years. Yeah? Yeah. A billion seconds is 32 years. So that's the difference. A million, 11 days, a billion, 32 years. That's the... Our brains can't... Compend- yeah, in seconds. Our brains can't fathom it. Then we're not compute... With- we're never designed to have to worry about these sort of numbers. We hit a billion and go, oh, wow, that's, that's, that's quite a big number. That's it. It goes in and out. Don't, yeah. You don't think about it in depth, but this is how to get an idea of what it is in depth. Do you know what one trillion seconds oh, is? Eight. 104 years. <laughs> no. It's 31,688 years. 31,000 years. Really? Yeah. One trillion. One trillion. So that gives you an idea. So he's... Now, I'm not saying um, he's not worth trillions, but there are companies worth trillions out there. Yeah, Apple, Microsoft, Berkshire, trillion? He's still billions. Um, hundreds, hundreds of billions, though. Uh, so, and, and obviously, Warren himself is only worth 117 billion, whatever it is. So he's, but that's just to give you... How many years is that, though? What, what, uh, 117? That? Oh, I wouldn't want to work that out. So that's 1 billion is 32 years. So 117 dingers. It's a lot of seconds. That's a lot of seconds. A lot of years. You ain't got, we ain't got the time to count that. Even if we count double fast, we ain't got the time to count. Anyway, um, so going back to the investing side, but you get an idea of how much she's worth. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you. So we talk about investing a lot here, and we understand the compound interest of investing, etc. Obviously, you've seen over the years, he's gone from a million at 32 to now worth 170 million. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's not all compounding, but I want to talk to you about one of his investments in Coca-Cola. I think I've spoke to you about this, but so the guys listening. This blows. This excites me about investing. This is yeah, the cool bit about investing. Um, so back in Deer, a few years ago, between eighty-eight and ninety-four, he bought a huge lump into Coca-Cola. It's about one point three billion pounds into Coca-Cola. Bear in mind, just just clasping back to his childhood, he sold Coca-Cola at the age of seven. So what does that tell you about his mindset? He loves Coca-Cola from the age of seven, so he's still interested in Coca-Cola. Carry on. <laughs> um, <clears throat> So he bought that. This year alone, I just want to say, so if you understand investing, you know about dividend payments, etc. If you own a company that pays a dividend, they basically pay you to own stock as a thank you, etc. Um, he earned $672 million from Coca-Cola for doing nothing. Yeah. For simply holding on to that stock. And that's what excites me about investing. Like He's done absolutely nothing all year for Coca-Cola. He's drunk a couple of bottles. He's probably spent 100 quid over this year on buying Coca-Cola, but he's not actually done any business, no sort of help whatsoever. He's just earned $672 million from Coca-Cola. So after two years of those, he's made back his original investments. And obviously this was back in 88, 94. So over the last, he made back his investment in the early 2000s. Yeah. Everything since then, he's been, it's just pure profit. It's just pure cash in the bank. Winner, 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 winner. Growing, growing, growing. 
Um, and now you might say, oh, it's, again, it's a hard number to comprehend. 700, uh, 672 million is a hard com- number to comprehend. So I'm going to introduce you to a man called James Quincy. Have you heard of him? No, I haven't. He is the, he's currently the top dog at Coca-Cola. Okay. He is the, board, the chairman of the board and CEO. So it, it doesn't get higher than him. Yeah. He is top dog. Boom. Uh, I think he owns the most shares within the company. Oh, does he? Yeah. Okay. Within, from insiders. Okay, inside company. So, yeah, right, got you. Which is yeah. fairly standard for chairman of the board, and yeah, yeah. you get a lot of uh, yeah stock options you know, as, as chairmans and, and CEOs. Um, and don't forget, being that role, it's a nine to five. Yeah. He probably only gets a certain amount of holiday each year. He has to do every single day of his living life. He's focused on Coca Cola, how he can grow it, and so to You get what I mean. His compensation for that year is still a lovely payday, but he was paid eighteen point seven million. And it's literally his life to make sure Coca-Cola runs well. He's got paid 18.7 million for running the company. For doing all missed... work, being there every single day, day in, day out, minimal holiday, minimal skiing trips, minimal Mackey's trips. <laughs> He's got to be in there at 8.30, he finishes at 8. He's got to show up, show consistency, show exactly. Get Graft his plane. ass off. Yeah, look after those million. people, run those people, leadership, plug for the last week. <laughs> He's got to do all that. And he's got paid 80 million, which is a lovely payday. Yeah. But Warren Buffett did nothing and got 672 million. I know which one I'd rather get. You just do nothing. For doing get. nothing. Exactly. For just a number of years ago, putting a huge sum, or not even compared to what he's earning, a lump sum into a company, he's just reaping the rewards now. It's abs- I find that, am- I love that about the, the whole investing world. It's, it blows my mind. That's my fun little factoid. Um, <laughs> I also want to just go into his failures. Am I interrupting? Have you got something to say? No, no, no. No, you crack on. <laughs> I want to go into his failures because we're about finding success. Yeah. And we believe that failures help mold. You can't be successful without failing. It, it molds your future. You learn, as long as you learn from them, it molds your future. So as I said earlier, um, the first one is how he sold the stock at $40, his first ever stock, $40 instead of holding on to it. The stock actually went up to $200 plus within... A year or two. So yeah. he, it, was, it wouldn't have taken him very long. But because he wasn't patient at the time, he lost hundreds of dollars. And back then, again, hundreds of dollars is worth thousands and yeah, thousands, thousands yeah. Yeah, of uh, uh, nowadays in current money. And that, he, he'll admit himself, that was his first ever lesson in patience in the, in, in the markets. Having, don't rush. It's a long game. It's not a short game. Um, it is, he actually came, he's actually got a saying, the longer you hold a stock, the less risky it becomes. The longer you hold the bond, the more risky it becomes. And I don't know if we've gone into bonds too heavily on this podcast yet, and we will do in the future for sure, but the longer you hold the stocks, the better. It's a long game. It pays dividends in the long term. Literally, you've heard the Coca-Cola story. Um, And his second one was the Berkshire Hathaway, uh, the textile company. He couldn't turn it around. Um, So he, he basically evolved it into what it is today. He had to learn and Almost draw from the ground up again. Yeah. Start all over. Um, <clears throat> and also, I'll go back again to the, his first ever stock. Sorry. I've just seen another note that was quite cool. So he let his emotions control his investing at that time because he saw it went up $2, got really excited at that sort of income and sold it. He got excited. He let his emotions control it. Yeah. Whereas if he'd let his plan control it, he'd have got the $200 per share plus or whatever it went to eventually. So he learned about being in control of your emotions back then. That's quite... It's a big lesson. That's huge for a 12-year-old. Yeah. 
13 year old that is a huge lesson to learn and he, he's carried that through all the way to today he still teaches that uh, uh, talks as interviews on YouTube and yeah. yeah he's quite open about it yeah I just want to talk because I think failures are quite important to learn and if you learn from them we can learn from other people's failures there's a quote that I tried to find I, uh, I just couldn't find it then um, it was I, I thought about it the other day and um, I was just doing uh, some content creation stuff and I was sitting down and um, it kind of dawned on me that, you know, starting this podcast, the first episode to us wasn't, a f- it might've been a failure to us, um, but sometimes yeah. it was a good episode, but to us, it was a failure. Like it was just, we, no matter how many times we tried to record it, we were saying the wrong thing or we were, you know, we, we said the wrong word then, or we wasn't happy with how it sounded or, mm-hmm. you know, we wanted to change the software or the voice or the tone or, or, or it was just something, we always had something to improve on. And that first episode that we, probably all saw it as a failure. We was like, oh, that, that's a fail. Um, Still makes me cringe. But there's a saying, it just comes to my head. Um, we have to lose to learn. So we have to lose things. We have to lose at, at recording a podcast. We lost that time, you know. We failed so many times. We lost that. But we've done that so we could learn. He lost 120 extra dollars in that stock. But he learned a big lesson. He learned that you have to wait. You follow your plan, and and it will it will learn. It, it, it's going the way you need to go. Look at you, how you are now. You've learned. So the saying is, yeah, we need we need to lose to learn. Love it. Simple. Um, so no matter what happens in your life, you know, for instance, you lost a judo fight. Yeah, I'm bringing it back to martial arts again. But you know, you lost a judo match. Yeah, you lost one match, but you understand how that person beat you. You understand what he done to beat you. You understand where he's where how he pulled you or how he threw you or how you landed or or so on but we've now learned our lesson we can move on now we know that this this doesn't work we need to beat this person we can do it this way and then you, you continue to grow and move and on and here we are failures are the our future growth they, they build as us as have, yeah they, they build, build us. us that's great that's good no matter no matter who there's no person on this on this earth that hasn't failed to be who they are today a famous one, Elon Musk. So with his SpaceX things, you've all seen these self-landing rockets. Massively impressive, incredible. Very impressive. Right, amazing. Ten years ago, if someone said, these rockets will land themselves one day, yeah. you'd yeah, yeah. You'd have wet yourself, <laughs> like, not chance. But he's gone and done it. And he had some horrific failures. Yeah, oh, 100%. Some spectacular videos on YouTube. If you're bored, ever go, watch, go and watch them. Amazing. Sorry, I shouldn't swear. <laughs> um, but they're that good. They're literally rockets blowing up. For men, our gentlemen audience, go and have a listen. It's, it's really satisfying. Really cool, yeah. Um, and he failed and failed and failed, but never gave up. And look where he is today. He's got huge NASA contracts and they're landing themselves. And he's finding more ways to do it, more like reusing rockets, reusing shuttles, etc. It's just phenomenal. He's, he's failing and failing and failing, but succeeding beyond what we thought was measurable. Like yeah. beyond what we thought was possible. But he does it not because he gains money from it he does it because he loves it yes he does it for the enjoyment he does it well, every day wakes up because he's looking forward to it as Warren was to invest in as you know you know you heard the story about um, Elon and the fire flamethrowers that he'd, yeah. he'd done like he, he one day woke up oh let's make him a flamethrower so he just done it and turned it into a business and yeah. sold and sold to, I don't know 10,000 units or whatever he'd done it because he enjoyed it he wanted to make a flamethrower not be, because he found his reason why he found his he, he, yeah, he his found purpose it, in a way. Yeah, yeah, he found his purpose. And that's the same with Warren. Warren has found his purpose from the age of seven. Or, you know, selling stuff, buying and selling. Buying stocks and shares. And 
you know, at his first price at 11 and at his first lesson at 11, that's a man who he is today. And now he's 92 and still doing the Fifth same thing. wealthiest man in the world. King of investing. His lot, his, his, that name in investing world will ring on long, long after he's gone. Long after, long after we're, we're gone. gone exactly. yeah. Long after I've, you know, our ancestors are gone. It's iconic name in the investing world now. He's, he is timeless. Forever set yeah. in stone. Without a doubt. The there will be, be a Warren statue. Oh, 100%. I'm conf- I'll buy one. I'll make <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make one. <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's just the greatest investor in life. Period. And you can, everyone can come at me in the same world. Johnny Davidson down the pub is the best investor. He's, he's not. I'm sorry. <laughs> in my opinion, Warren's the best. And uh, as you said, he'll always uh, I think that's a great point to end it, actually. So, uh, guys, a little bit different today. Um, we've gone for a success story. Um, but it just goes to show you that even with the struggles of, of his life and how he started his journey, um, he didn't start in stocks he started in coke and chewing gum so if he's doing that i'm sure you can too by the way if you haven't already go and follow our instagram go and follow twitter um and please write review on this podcast this is what we're here for we're here to help you um we're here to help you grow we're here to give you information and help you guys guide and be the best person that you can be we're, you know we're here for guidance we're here for for you you know we're here for us as well this is this is our journey and uh we really love coming on every week and giving you guys information um so yeah as i said before if you haven't already go and follow us on social media all the links will be down below really hope you enjoyed it because i know we did we had a great time making this one and have a good weekend guys and we'll see you in the next one success is available for everybody so why should you set for this?